How is everyone doing? What is up? How is your week? How is your day? Uh, but yeah, here we are entering week four of the NFL season, meaning Jets game number four. Just uh, as I'm recording this, this is Tuesday, so this will drop probably between Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, we shall see. But yeah, Jets uh, coming off a loss to the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday on the road. Four o'clock start late in the afternoon. And yeah, just another kind of forgettable game, if you're being completely honest. A game where you know, obviously as a fan, you're probably very frustrated, very upset. Um but yeah, we'll we'll break that down. We'll get into that per usual. I'll do my you know good, my unfortunate. But um, I just wanted to kind of so this week since with the short week with the game on Thursday and a lot going on with life, school, work, so on. I unfortunately did not book a guest, a Denver Broncos guest. So I apologize for that. I will get on the horn and try to get the Cardinals. I believe it's the Cardinals they play in Week Five. So I'll try to get that going. But yeah. Um, so this week I thought just to try to save from being very redundant and coming on this podcast and kind of giving you the same thing every week uh, based on the performances, that this week we'll definitely go over the Jets per usual. We'll go over the last game. We'll, we'll break down some of the matchups and stuff to keep an eye on in this on this Thursday night game against the Broncos. But I thought I'd try to go and break down the NFL a little bit, kind of hit on the AFC East division in a whole and then try to touch upon some of the biggest storylines, such as, you know, the Monday Night Football game against the Chiefs and the Ravens, how the Seahawks look, Cowboys, you know, all that good stuff. So I thought we'd kind of keep it a little NFL-centric today uh, in lieu of having the interview about the Denver Broncos because, again, unfortunately, I just I put some feelers out there. Nobody was biting. I'm very busy with some other things. So, again, I apologize for that, but hopefully this will not become, you know, a regular affair. And then, yeah, I'll give you the fantasy advice at the end like I usually do. So, yeah, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and then when we come back, we will talk about the Jets' 36-7 loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Welcome back. Quick little break there. Uh, so, yeah, now we're going to talk about Jets-Colts. Uh, this was the 4 o'clock, or it was in the 4 o'clock window on Sunday. But, yeah, so I sat down to watch this one, and it wasn't good from the beginning. So, you know, I'll go with the unfortunate first this week. So, yeah, just kind of leading into that, the you know, you settle in to watch this game. The Jets, I think, uh, the Jets receive the ball. Darnold takes the field. You get a nice little, you know, 19-yard return. Uh, they, you know, it looks like they got a little bit going here. The drives, the drive is uh, happening. I think it was like you had, I think Darnold ran out of the pocket. I think he had some running plays. I believe there was a penalty in there as well. Uh, Darnold did scramble around quite a bit, but then Darnold, of course, throws the uh, pick six, 44-yard interception to Xavier Rhodes. Where it's just you're putting yourself down seven nothing early. It's unfortunate. Actually, when I watched that, you know that throw. I know a lot of people have been getting on Darnold about some of the other throws in that game, but that throw did not. When I watched it again, that was a heck of a play by Rhodes. I believe it was like one on one coverage. That th- that ball was it was a tight window to throw into for sure. 
But Rhodes just took that ball away and ran, you know, that he was gone 44 yards to the house. I'm not trying to, like, you know, be the guy who defends everybody on here, defends Darnold, but that throw specifically, I, I honestly didn't have an issue with it. It stinks that he goes the other way and all of a sudden you're down 7 nothing before you can even really think about it. Um, you know, I think that drive was only like two and a half minutes, maybe a tick above two and a half minutes, and then you're down 7 nothing. But I didn't think that that throw was as bad. Um, I thought he was just trying to force it and do a tough window and make a play, and that's just, hey, so you can go in down swinging in that in that um, aspect right there. So yeah, then you go defensively. They give up 350 total yards, which listen isn't crazy. We've seen some insane numbers. Like I believe Kansas City was over 500 on Monday night. A lot of teams have been going over 500. That's kind of like your threshold for a good offense usually. So 350, it's not great. But my the thing that um is a little bit more concerning is just how they divvied it up, right? 230 through the yard, 119 on the ground. So it was just tough. The defense had a tough day. They couldn't find a way to really stop the Colts, whether it be through the air or on the ground. Uh, I thought Phillip Rivers had a really good um, really good game just from, from seeing what he did. He completed his throws. He throws for 217 yards and a touchdown. I know Brissett got in there at the end just to keep Rivers on the sideline. Then, you know, they just didn't let a specific guy go for a big day, like Jonathan Taylor, 13 attempts, 59 yards and a touchdown. Then you had uh, Wilkins had 39 yards on nine carries. Hines, 21 on seven. So, but that's just kind of how the Colts do it. Frank Reich, he divvies up a lot of the, the reps on offense. So you kind of got to see that. Then through the air, uh, T.Y. Wilton had a nice day. The tight end, Allie Cox, had a nice day. Hines was effective as a pass catcher. So it was just an all-around pretty solid day for the Indianapolis Colts, an unfortunate loss for the Jets, and, and kind of an ugly loss at most times for the Jets. Um, it's just, you know, they just didn't seem to have an answer to to stopping the Colts offensively. I know you give up what I think it was. This leads into my next point. You give up two defensive touchdowns, so fourteen points go on the board because of returned uh, you know turnovers. So you look at that score and you think the Colts really went off thirty six points. Rivers must have had a big day. No, the defense really was what was killing them. The defense was fantastic for the Colts, and I know we had Kevin Bowen on last week, and he basically said this is what the Colts were going to do. They're going to kind of kind of drop back into coverage. They don't really pressure a lot, which you see Darnold sacked only twice, but they just they, 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 they take the ball away, and that's what they did. They took the ball away all afternoon. They forced Darnold into some tough, tough throwing windows, and you know when you're when you're having one of those days, it just feels like every time you pick the ball off, you're returning it for a touchdown. So, you know, it was unfortunate that the Colts had one of the best days of any defense in the NFL, and it came at the Jets' expense, but that's for the unfortunate. Then we go to the good side. So I actually thought early on Geese's play calling felt really fresh on offense, felt like they were driving. I know after the pick six, um, when the Jets took the field after that, I believe it was like a 14-play scoring drive, which is great. Uh, yeah, checking it right now, 14 plays, 88 yards in seven minutes. That's fantastic, right? That's that's what you do. You're, you're bleeding the clock. You're keeping the clock running. 88 yards, that's a lot of yards. To, that's not you know, a 70, 50-yard uh, touchdown scoring drive. In 14 plays, you're on the field a lot. That means you made plays. The longer, you know, it's pretty simple. The longer you're on the field, the more time the defense gets to look at you, the more time you have to make mistakes, force throws, and it was fantastic to see. And, of course, Darnold um, capped it off with just one of probably the best plays of his career when he kind of flushed the pocket, scrambled, ran around, made that throw on the run um, to Braxton. I think it was Braxton Barrio who hauled it in for, like, maybe about a 15-yard touchdown score. That was awesome. That's fantastic. That's the flashes of brilliance Sam Darnold brings. And we've seen it before. I think in his rookie year, he did it up in Buffalo. Uh, last week, I think he did it. I believe Barrios was this recipient as well when he kind of Darnold had that crossbody throw 
and he just kind of hit Barrios on the run. Then he does it again here. I thought that was fantastic. Um, that's like the next point I was getting into where Darnold extended the plays. He was, and, and, and he, he made that happen on his own. And that's awesome. That's fantastic to see as, as a, if you're a fan of the Jets, if you're Adam Gase, if you're Darnold, if you're Joe Douglas, if you're the owners, like it's just, that's, that's the brilliance. That's the flashes that reassures you that this kid is, he's got it. This kid can be fantastic. This kid can be a really good pro in the NFL. The other key kind of takeaway I had is they had a pretty solid day on the ground, 109 um, rushing yards which I believe was around, bear with me here, I believe their, their yards per carry was about 3.8. Yeah, 3.8 per rush, which that's not fantastic. It's not top of the league, but it's still pretty solid. Uh, Frank Gore, 57 yards on 15 carries. Uh, the rookie Perrine, uh, 24 yards on seven carries. Darnold picked up 20 on five. And Ballage, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, eight yards, two carries. So yeah, effective on the ground. It just didn't really kind of translate well because they're behind so often. We're like, you're establishing the run like that in any other game where the score's closer. You can break it open and take more deep shots on play action. Uh, like we saw with that uh, play up the seam with Barrios. Nice little connection between Bar- Darnold and Barrios on that. Uh, Barrios had a great day. Fridge to the Jets, 64 yards, four receptions, and one touchdown on four targets. But not much from other Jet receivers just because, hey, there's a banged-up unit. Really banged up unit. But, um, yeah, that was kind of like my good and the bad. I'm not going to, you know, force to find five each week like I kind of said last week. Uh, it's just trying to avoid being redundant and, and, and trying to keep these as fresh as I possibly can as the Jets continue their season this year. But after the break – oh, well, actually, I can't go to break. I meant to – sorry. So very – I'm just very quickly going to talk about this. I don't know what is going to happen with the head coach, Adam Gase. I really am neutral on it. I'm not – like I know some people are crazy about it, but it's definitely a very interesting and very important time for the head coach. Uh, I believe it was on Sunday morning. I think Chris Mortensen had reported about Gase's future, whether he would be there, how they're kind of the brass team brass is discussing it, um, discussing it based upon, upon the team's performance on Sunday and then what to do on Thursday. So we'll see, you know, I, I honestly don't understand firing a coach in season. Just, just my belief. I feel like if you're gonna have make a change that's effective, you kind of do that after the season, and kind of how we've seen the Jets operate. That's really what they do. You don't often see them fire a head coach in season. Todd Bowles was let go after the season. Rex Ryan, I believe, was also let go after the season. So we'll see what happens to Adam Gase. It's definitely an interesting talking point and a very important note to keep it keep tabs on as this season continues. And Thursday night's going to be a big test. So we'll see. How that hand, how how that is handled, and after the break, we'll jump into that Thursday night game against the Denver Broncos. So uh, stick around, and we'll, and we'll dive right into that. Right, time for the breakdown. And if you're listening, is this your first time listening? I usually do not do these on my own. I usually have a guest. Uh, we had Kevin Bowen on. We had Justin Freed on. Uh, I broke down week one, obviously, because I kind of just started it that day. But today, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just really focus on telling you as much as I know about the Broncos, just from a statistical standpoint. Um, if you've listened before, 
I thought Kevin and it was fantastic last week with the Colts. I learned a lot through the, about the Colts matchup and what to look for during the game. Justin, uh, not only does he write for the Jet Press, but he was he writes for the Golden State fan sided outlet, so he was very in tune to what the Niners are doing. So unfortunately, we won't have that much in depth breakdown this week. So if you're listening for that again, I apologize. I'm going to just had a lot of stuff to do this week, a lot of stuff to continue doing this week. So not that I make an excuse, but hey. I believe it's the Cardinals I play in Week 5. I'm going to get a guess for that, so bear with me this week. But yeah, so Thursday Night Football, Denver Broncos, New York Jets. Denver will be uh, flying to New York to play the Jets, uh, which is pretty crazy just to begin with. Usually these Thursday Night games don't feel like they're – it feels like you're playing kind of a divisional game usually or, or you know, the, uh, last week you got Miami-Jacksonville. It never feels like you have a team flying across the country on a short week, right? Never. So Denver has to fly. They played Sunday. Now they're flying to New York for this Thursday night game. I mean, that's a brutal, brutal, brutal turnaround in such a short week for the 40 – or sorry, not the 49 for the Denver Broncos. So that will definitely – listen – I know people don't like to make excuses, but I'd have to imagine that somehow factors into the performance the Broncos will put on the field. I mean, listen, they are absolutely hammered with injuries, and I'll get into that in like five seconds here. But flying across the country like that is brutal on a short week. I, 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 I would have to imagine that definitely plays a role in what, Bronco, what Broncos team we see on Thursday night. But I just mentioned about how injured they are. Well, first of all, the Broncos are, both, the Broncos are 0-3 as the Jets are. But most of that is because of injuries. So Drew Locke, who I actually thought... So Kyler Murray was kind of like that Dark Horse MVP. I truly thought, if you're talking Dark Horse, Dark Horse, double down on Dark Horse MVP, Locke could have been that. He was fantastic when he came back last season for the Broncos. And Jerry Judy gets drafted to the team. Hamler's on the team now. All these weapons. Melvin Gordon's in the backfield. Noah Font, the very dynamic tight end. A lot of weapons for this kid to play, um, to throw to, and you know, play with. And it's just unfortunate he goes down, he's injured, he will not play in this game. And I actually believe, as we record this on Tuesday um, afternoon, that um, James Palmer at James Palmer TV, he's a national reporter for the NFL Network. You've probably seen his tweets, breaks a lot of news. He actually just tweeted Broncos QB note. News, I'm told from sources, Brett Rippin, Rippian, I'm sorry if I'm saying his last name wrong, is expected to start Thursday versus the Jets. So we didn't know who we were, who we were going to get. Now it appears it will be Brett Rippin. And if you're wondering where he has played, if you've seen his name before, he is actually he played four years at Boise State from 15 to 18. While he was there, he threw for 90 touchdowns, 29 picks, a rating for his career of 149.3 and over 13,000 passing yards. So moved the ball well in college. He hasn't done anything in the NFL. So this will actually mark his first career NFL start, which is something to keep an eye on. Obviously, this is a kid getting his first start against the Jets. Uh, So rookie quarterback, unexperienced quarterback, under center, Thursday night, national televised game, flying across the country on a short week. Go get him, right? So that's definitely something to keep an eye on, something that is very important to note. Um, he he came in last week, and he completed uh, eight to nine passes for 53 yards, one interception, one fumble, sacked one time. So tough to really even take anything away from that full, or you know, at least some, some more preparation going into this start. You know, that was his first bit of action, and it, and it is his rookie year now. So we'll see. We'll see what he does. 
big kid, 6'2", 202, 24 years old. So Judd's defense, Greg Williams might try to dial it up, heat him up a little bit, make him uncomfortable in his first career start. Uh, so that's probably the biggest you know, breakdown, biggest thing to look at for this game. Of course, it happens as I'm recording, which kind of threw me off a little bit. But again, we're rolling with it. So you're probably wondering, who are the Broncos who are injured? Uh, another player who the Broncos will be without is, of course, Von Miller. So you lose probably one of the most premier pass rushers in the NFL, which definitely makes Sam Darnold's day better, easier, makes Gase's game planning easier. You don't have one of the most vaunted edge rushers in the league ripping off the edge. Um, of course, makes the offensive line's job a bit easier. So that is something that it would definitely be a plus and something that absolutely takes away from this Denver defense because he just, like you kind of saw, like when C.J. Mosley left in game one last year, Jamal Adams when he left the Seahawks game this past week, Von Miller is the type of guy, is like those two guys, where when they are playing, the defense looks completely different. When you take him off, the, the defense looks far more pedestrian because um, I'm, I'm looking at Denver's, uh, I'm looking at the defensive stats on pro football reference right now. So Denver actually, like, they've, they've kept the points off the board. They're 12th in the league with 70th, uh, 70 points um, scored, right? So they have surrendered 20. Uh, opposition has scored 70 points against them this year, which is not bad. 12th in the league is, you know, no slouches. And they're kind of in that same area with yards allowed. The, they have just not been a good team against the pass so far this year. Seven touchdowns to one pick, and they've given up the fourth most yards, 833 yards. But they've, they've really really limited the um, the rushing attack, and they are seventh in the league with only 307 yards given up, and they've only surrendered one touchdown on the ground. So a team where, you know, this is a matchup we're seeing. We, I love to see what Donald could do through the air, a game where you're probably going to have to throw the ball a lot more, uh, which is what kind of leads me into this, uh, you know, these these key matchups that I'm, I'm looking for, and it's all in the receiving end. I know the Jets are limited in that department. Guys are hurt. Um, who knows if Crowder comes back? Who knows if Perriman's coming back? Uh, I know Rick uh, Samini of of, of, of um, ESPN, he reported, he just reported, uh, I think it was yesterday on Monday, that Richard Perriman won't play, of course, Thursday. He's got the ankle injury. And then Jamison Crowder, hamstring injury. He has a chance. So, again, we don't know when Perriman's going to come back. Sounds like Crowder might suit up and play. So, at least you get him back. Of course, you already don't have Le'Veon Bell. So it's just it's it's going to be tough, but I am going to keep an eye on to see what this what what the Jets do against the secondary because you can move the ball through the air against the Broncos based upon the stats I just told you. You know, it, it, it's it's kind of one of those setup games where you, listen, it's easy as a fan to say, oh, they don't have the receivers, they won't take advantage of it. No, they can. Darno's a good quarterback. Gase. He can game plan if his game plan matches kind of what he did early on against Indianapolis. This is something that seems to be very possible where you can move the ball in the air, run it a little bit, establish that play action, take the shots when needed. Now, defensively, the matchups I'm I'm watching. So I don't know if you guys have ever watched Noah Fant play. Noah Fant is one of the more exciting young tight ends in the entire NFL. He really is. He is very dynamic. He kind of comes – he reminds me of – you know, these new age tight ends like George Kittle, he is fast. He can line up like anywhere on the defense, or sorry, line up anywhere on the offense. He makes plays. He's really, really fun to watch. And I think this is a guy that's going, listen, he is tough for any defense to contain. So I think this is a game where, 
you know, there's a game where you wish you had CJ Mosley. So the linebackers have a very tough task ahead of them in contain in their safeties and containing Noah Fant. I know if you're listening to this and you just went on to his pro football reference and you look at his stats, you see his stats and think, oh, well, he hasn't had a hundred yard game yet. He only has two receiving touchdowns last week. He only had five catches for 46 yards. Like, yeah, I get that. But trust me, that is, he had 10 targets last week with this very weird game quarterbacks going in and out he's going to receive that same amount of targets this week and if he catches two or three or more of those that's a huge day and that's it's gonna you know that that seems as though that's something you have to worry about a lot is as greg williams and the jets and the jets defense heading into this game on thursday so Fant, seeing how they kind of contain noah Fant, uh seeing what nick uh not nick chubb bradley chubb does because Bradley Chubb is another very fantastic young pass rusher. Uh, I mentioned how they want to have Von Miller. Listen, you're 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 still gonna worry about Bradley Chubb. Doesn't have a sack yet this year, but that just means this guy's due, right? One of the better, again, another one of the very good pass rusher, young pass rushers, rookie year. He had 12 sacks last year. He only played four games and had one. This year, getting his feet back under him. Although, you know, he might not have the hit or he might not have the sacks, but he still has two tackles for loss and three QB hits. So, listen, it, this is a guy you got to really make sure you're containing. He's really the only pass rusher on this defense that you really have to worry about. So, putting a lot of emphasis on stopping him is, is something that, I, you know, I'm going to keep a close eye on. Do they double him? We'll see. Uh, and, and, of course, the offensive line. That's their main duty, right? Stopping the edge rusher. And I know uh, Cotter Hughes, he reported early this morning, uh, I believe LTD means limited. <laughs> so Mackay Becton and bo- both Font were limited in practice. So those are probably your two primary primary uh, protections against Chubb. So it's going to be tough if you got to go to the backups. And if, it's a shame because Be- Becton had been fantastic. I mean, you watch him play on that, that, that blind side, and he's just moving people throwing people down, getting downfield, making blocks. So that's a big blow if, if it does it does turn out that he is not playing and even if Fant doesn't play. So that's another matchup that I definitely want to keep an eye on. And then all in all, I just think it's a game where these are two teams that want to get in the win column. These are two teams that have been dealing with a lot of injuries, dealing with a lot of scrutiny in the media. But I do think this is a game that the Jets will come out with, not being blindly optimistic. It's just... You're playing a kid who has never started in the NFL. You're playing a guy that is very inexperienced under center. So take advantage of that. I believe Greg Williams will take advantage of that. I believe he's going to send some pressure, confuse him, try to get him to throw into tight windows, get some turnovers. And it's it, this game is a prime for Darnold to be able to move the ball in the air. Again, I read you all those stats at how difficult the difficulties that this team has, Broncos have against the pass. I don't think you're going to be able to get the run game going as much as you would like because they do seem to be able to stop that run. But when you're giving up 833 yards through the air through four or um, through the first few games here, it's it's that's something that you're, you're not winning many games like that. So I want to, I want to see what Darnold does. I'd like to see him take advantage of that. I'd like to see the play calling open up and let him just throw it downfield, make those reads downfield, and get some big chunk plays. But that's my little breakdown. I have the Broncos. Again, I know it's not as good as the usual breakdowns are. I'm, again, I'm sorry if it was a little choppy. But uh, when we come back from the break, I'm going to go over the just some NFL talking points, hit that fantasy angle. 
We'll get out of here a little, you know, this podcast will be a little bit more uh, shorter than it usually is, but stick with me after the break. We'll go into some, like I said, rest of the NFL. We're going to talk about the AFC East, talk about Pats, talk about Cam, talk about Josh Josh Allen and the Bills, break down a little bit of the Dolphins, and then we're going to hit the rest of the NFL. I want to really talk about this Chiefs-Ravens, specifically the Chiefs, because I just don't think anybody is ever going to beat this team anytime soon. We'll talk about the Cowboys. One of, it looks like this team can score 40 a game, but give up 50 a game. And then Russell Wilson, league MVP so far. Ha, you know, it's about time that this guy gets the praise that he deserves. But again, we'll break all that down after this break. Time for some, you know, just NFL talk. Uh, go through the, the AFC East here. Kind of look at the status of the division. Any surprises? Any, you know, not surprises? I, I don't think the division's been too surprising so far. But right now you have Buffalo at 3-0, and leading the division. New England's 2-1. and Miami's at 1-2. and And, of course, the Jets are 0-3. The one surprise is, like, listen, we knew this was going to be Buffalo versus New England the whole year. We knew that. It was going to be these two duking it out. Buffalo had a great year last year. New England... On paper, regresses. Tom Brady leaves. Who knows what's going to happen? Buffalo at Stephon Diggs. It's a great team. Buffalo is a very good football team. But I'll say I'm a little bit surprised that Buffalo is 3-0. And they really, really, really pushed that yesterday. Or, sorry, on Sunday against the Rams, almost blowing that lead. Found a way to come back and win it. So, yeah, the Patriots, they're 2-1, but they very well could be 3-0. They go into Seattle. They lose 35-20 to on, like, that last chance of the game. Um... I just, I just didn't think they're going to score so much. I, I really didn't think they'd have the success scoring that they have that they have had. Cam Newton has been very good for them. 714 passing yards so far, two touchdowns, two picks in the air, 68.1 completion percentage. Rushing the ball, he is second on the team in rushing, 149 yards, four touchdowns leads the team in front of Rex Burkhead's two. So six total touchdowns so far for Cam. Two interceptions, not bad. Uh, he's been a very good quarterback for them. He's been... He's kept him in the games. He hasn't turned the ball over a lot, and he's been very effective as a runner, and that's just – I think they're going to tone that down a little bit as far as the designed runs go. But, again, Patriots are just the Patriots. We knew they'd be there, right? We knew they were going to be there. We knew that with Tom Brady leaving that they weren't going to go away. They weren't going to go away. They weren't going to suddenly fold. They're still one of the best teams in the NFL, and they're you know they've allowed the 11th most – the 11th fewest points scored on them, 66. You know, again, I, I kind of mentioned before, that they are a little bit more vulnerable on defense this year compared to what they were last year, but last year's defense was just so dang good and so dominant that it's tough to kind of replicate that, especially through the air. I'm sure they'll show that up. We know how Belichick teams change throughout the year and how they can look one way one week and completely different the next week. But yeah, they have been a very good football team. Uh, you kind of feel like they've left a little bit there that can that can get even better, but then you go to the Buffalo Bills, the three and zero Buffalo Bills, man, and 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 the Bills again, like I had mentioned, they almost really blew it against the Rams, but they got it, they got out of it, they secured the win, and I think almost the biggest surprise of the Bills is I thought their defense was going to be substantially better. Not that it's bad, but it, I thought it was going to be like a top ten unit in the league. They've been 
top 15-ish. They've been decent. Um, again, they've been a little bit vulnerable through the air with the pass yards. Uh, rushing, uh, the rushing defense has really been like what has saved them so far. They don't give you much on the ground. But it's offensively the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it is so funny to think all the how how people broke down Josh Allen out of college. You know, who is he going to be? Can he be accurate enough at the next level? The Bills have scored the third most points in the entire NFL at ninety three, behind the Green Bay Packers and behind the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> like. I did not expect that. I'll be completely honest with you. They're fourth in uh, total yards. Um, they're second in passing touchdowns. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going through this on Pro Football Reference right now, and it's just incredible. And they haven't rushed the ball that well. And and I thought this was going to be a team that needed to play good defense, needed to rush the ball, and then Josh Allen to break it open, play action. Completely wrong. He has been fantastic, Josh Allen. This Bills team looks very different than the team that snuck into the wild card last year. I believe they won 10 games last year. This looks like a team that might be even better this year. Or not even looks it. They are going to be better. If they're scoring like that and then the defense comes around at the end of the season, that's they're going to be right there. Like Josh Allen. So Josh Allen's career high in touchdown passes was set last year with 20. He has 10 already. He already has uh, 1,038 um, passing yards as well, which is second in the NFL to Dak Prescott. It's just this guy has been a completely different quarterback. He's second in the league in touchdown passes too, and he's a guy that he's dangerous. He's really dangerous, man. He um he not only is he like you know is he very good at uh on the throwing it this year. The dude's also a threat to run all the time. He's got two rushing touchdowns this year as well. So the Bills are a very good football team. It's going to be Bills versus Patriots the whole year, but I actually do give give the Bills a far better chance than I did coming into the season. And also, sorry, I just saw this too with Josh Allen. 58.8 was his highest completion percentage, 52.8 his rookie year. People thought he would never be accurate NFL quarterback. 71.1% so far this year. I mean, kudos to Josh Allen because he put the work in. This guy looks like a completely different quarterback and literally an MVP candidate. I That's crazy to say. That's I didn't think that would be the case. So that's kind of like what the division looks like. I really, I, the Dolphins actually do look like a they're one and two, but they feel like a better football team. Uh, when you watch them, they just feel very disciplined within their game plan. They have a game plan. I know last week they won their first game against Jacksonville, and they pretty much blow them out. I think it was thirty-one to thirteen. But then they the first two games before that they played the Bills and the Patriots, right? And they lose by. 38, 31 to 28 to the Bills, 21 to 11 to the Pats. Again, that's, those are the two best teams in the division. And their, their schedule is very tough, Denver. They get Seattle, and they get Seattle week four. Week five, you get San Francisco. They don't really get a break until week six with Denver, but it, it will be interesting to see how this evolves because Fitzpatrick has been good, good enough. I don't think many people are clamoring for Tua just yet, but we'll see what happens. And that's a team that's not really pressing right now. They they play good football with what they have now. They have who they think is going to be their future quarterback in the, waiting in the wing. So we'll see what Miami does. I think Miami is a more competitive football team than many people are giving them the giving them um, or talking about. You know, so that's really the status of the division so far. Cam Newton, the Pats look good. Bills, Bills, Josh Allen. It's just completely different than what I thought it would be. And then the Dolphins are just hanging around. 
the, the Dolphins are just hanging around. They're, they're, they're trying to complete their rebuild. So we'll see what happens with them. But trying to just quickly go into the rest of the NFL. So the Dallas Cowboys, the NFC East is always just feels like it's, they're always just beating up on each other. Da- Washington and Dallas are tied right now at one and two for the division lead. It's just, here's my thing with the Dallas Cowboys. They should be substantially better. They could also be home with three, first of all. But they go on the road in week one, lose 27. Then they have that crazy comeback win, 40 to 39. Then in Sunday, they're really right there with Denver. Um, or sorry, Denver, Seattle. Here's my one thing I'll say about Seattle, though. Jamal Adams left that game with a groin injury, and then the Cowboys started cooking on offense. Jamal Adams is such a damn good NFL player that you see the difference. It was like when C.J. Mosley left against the Bills game in the Bills game in week one of last season, completely shifted the landscape of that game. Just a little side note, but I feel like Dallas is, if they can shore up that defense, this is a team that can be really, really, really good. I mean, Dak Prescott, like, again, I just talked about how Josh Allen looks like a completely different quarterback. Dak Prescott, I think, I'm pretty sure Dak Prescott leads the NFL in passing yards so far. Yeah, he does. Leads the NFL in passing yards. He's completing over 61% of his throws. He has five touchdown throws to two interceptions. He looked great. He looked amazing in that game against Seattle. He was pretty much just kind of like willing them in. Completely abandoned the run game because they were behind so much. He was 37 of 57 for 472 yards in that game. I mean, jeez. And they unfortunately lost it for the Cowboys, but it's just that defense is tough right now. They got to get some things shored up. I know they got a lot of young players on that side of the ball. So if they can get that defense figured out, man, this Dallas Cowboys team can absolutely fly with the weapons that they have on offense. It's it's really fun to watch the Dallas Cowboys play. But on the flip side of that, the team that beat Dallas, Seattle, Seahawks look good. Seahawks look real good. Russell Wilson's got to be the MVP of the entire NFL so far. He is just carving teams up you saw it against Dallas any chance of he gets that deep ball it's just incredible he's fourth in the NFL right now 925 yards he leads the entire NFL in passing touchdowns with 14 14 he's played three games I think he's had two games of five plus touchdown throws that's incredible that's incredible and he leads the league in rating right now so to me Seahawks that's a team that's really going to challenge the NFC Russell Wilson, I think he's the second best quarterback in the entire NFL right now. But the first best quarterback, the the best quarterback in the entire NFL goes to Patrick Mahomes. And what the Chiefs did to the Ravens last night just solidifies the fact that I believe that, listen, the Ravens are a fantastic football team. Lamar Jackson's a fantastic football player. It's just Mahomes is just incredibly good. This is no knock on anybody. He is just incredibly good. And I love watching him play. We saw any chance he gets busting open the deep threat, hitting Tyreek Hill in the end zone, just him and Andy Reid together. It's, it's, it's a fantastic duo, and I think that this is a team that's just going to go right into the Super Bowl again. I know you can never project like that, but this is a Super Bowl favorite, and it's not even close. So that's just my quick kind of breakdown of the division, breakdown of the NFL, take a little break, come back, hit fantasy real quick, and then we'll finish it up with that. All 
right. To wrap up, like we do every week, we'll I'll give you the five fantasy football players that I put in my article last week, tell you how they did with that, and then give you two of the five for this week, and then you can find the rest on Fansighted. So last week, um, last week my week started with running uh, Los Angeles Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and unfortunately Kelly was a dud. <laughs> he was. Eight carries, 43 yards, two receptions, nine yards, 5.2 points in ESPN. Scoring leagues, so yeah, not it. I thought after the game he had against the Chiefs, he would have a big bounce back or just replicate that last week, and that was not the case. So Joshua Kelly, not it. My next player was Scotty Miller, and I hit with this one a little bit more. He had 83 yards, three receptions, 11.3 points. You'd love to see you get a touchdown in there. Um, I know, I believe Chris Godwin is actually out now for a little bit. So this is a guy, if you have him rostered, keep him rostered. He seems like he got five targets, 83 yards. If he gets a touchdown in there, it's a huge day. And he seems to have some chemistry with Tom Brady early on. So I'd say that's sort of a hit. Kelly, definitely not a hit. Sort of a hit here with Scotty Miller. Then number three on the list was uh, Naheem Hines for the Indianapolis Colts against the Jets. And Hines, like Miller, kind of respectable day. Seventy car- sorry, seven carries, twenty-one yards, four catches, forty yards on five targets, ten point one points. So again, I guess if you're in very deep leagues, those really help you out. And even in the Yahoo league I'm in, I know I started Hines and I needed the points that he scored in that league to get out of there with the win. So not bad. Uh, if you start him as a flex, definitely not bad. If you started him as a running back too, maybe a little bit more than that, yeah, definitely not what you wanted to see, but still respectable enough. So actually, instead of giving you the second player on the list right now, I'm going to give you the first player on the list because the second player on the list was money. Nailed it. But before I get into that, we'll go with who was number one on my list, and that was tight end Jonu Smith for the Tennessee Titans. He, like Miller, like Hines, 11.1 points, Five catches, 61 yards on eight targets. Decent day. Very good day for tight ends. I, I, I'll say that. Tight ends, again, I said it every podcast before this. I say it again. Tight ends are tough to determine this year. And 11 points from Johnny Smith is solid. Pick this guy up regardless. Feels like he's very involved in a Tennessee Titans game. Can break off big plays. Usually finds his way to get a touchdown. But decent day against the uh, Minnesota Vikings as they win that game. But my number one player, or sorry, my number two player who turned out being the number one player on the list was perhaps the biggest breakout in the entire NFL this past week, and that was James Robinson, running back for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. So, <clears throat> so sorry, uh, so R- Robinson uh, in ESPN Standard Leagues, I believe it was he's, he was within the top ten of point total points scored for the entire NFL. So he finishes with 30.9 points, which is crazy because his team only scored 13 points. <laughs> it's 30.9 points, 11 carries, 46 yards. Eh, okay, punched it in twice. Two touchdowns. Huge. Then he has six receptions for 83 yards. Very dynamic day. Amazing day. James Robinson, we did not know who the number one running back was going to be post-Leonard Bournette. James Robinson, this is the guy. Huge day. So now I'll give you two of the five for this week. So first, I'm going to give you a tight end. So tight end Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys. So when you look at Dalton Schultz's week last week, he got 8.8 points. You, you know, that's – you're probably not think that's great. That, that, that is great. 
but four for 48, he feels very involved in this offense. And that is, and he is periodically getting more involved in this offense, which is huge, right? If you're a fantasy owner, it's all about projections and who projects to be the best and who projects to get the most points. And in week two against Atlanta, Schultz had nine catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. So it's there. He has that ability to be that safety net for Dak Prescott. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys always feel like they love using tight ends in their offense. This is one of those tight ends who's going to be heavily involved, I'd imagine. Uh, he had six targets last week. I already mentioned his reception, in, his receptions and yards. I'd imagine that to go up a little bit more against Cleveland because as I when I was research, researching and writing this article, the Browns have not been the best team against tight ends. I believe they have allowed three recept, touchdown receptions to tight ends so far, and I think they were like top two, top three. Sorry, off the top of my head, I can't remember in uh, tight ends targeted against them. So tight ends get a lot of play against this, this this Cleveland Browns team, and that is who Dallas will host this week in week four. So Dalton Schultz, tight end, sit, get him, nab him, slot him in. He might have a very big day, uh, as he did against Atlanta in week two. Then my number one sleeper, so Russell Cage disclaimer. So I put this in the article too in the disclaimer now. He did leave the game on Sunday with a, uh, I think it was a concussion. It was, it was an injury. He did not return. So you would have to monitor his status throughout the week here as far as picking him up and starting him because, you know, who knows what his projections numbers will be and so on. But, yes, keep an eye on him because this is a guy who is very explosive, very good, and involved in an offense that just throws the ball around the yard. And so in, in week four, the, the Falcons will play the um, – They'll, they'll, they'll play the Packers in uh, week four, and that's actually on Monday Night Football, I think. So, you know, a tough matchup. Packers do seem to give up a little bit more, some points. They did last week. Uh, this is a guy, so looking at Cage's stats, he had 114 receiving yards on nine catches and 12 targets in week one. Then he had nine targets, six catches, 46 in week two, and a touchdown last week. He leaves injured this week. I think it's, again, a guy who gets a lot of high volume of targets. The Falcons just offensively this team has scored they've been scoring they just it's keeping the lead has been the issue but yes Russell Cage if you need a flex if you need a receiver because I know a lot of people might be in positions where you're drafting Michael Thomas and he's hurt maybe you have Saquon Barkley and the trickle down effect is that you need a flex option right there's a lot going on here a lot of injuries this is a guy who's definitely worth a waiver claim definitely worth a start especially if you're in very deep leagues so yes this week's are Dalton Schultz Russell Cage Two guys you should add, two guys you could start, two guys that might have very big days in week four of the NFL season. As always, wrapping it up with fantasy football. I love the fact that you guys listen. Uh, thank you for bearing with me this week as I did this on my own, as I'm very busy, just trying to get everything going with class, try to keep on top of my work, try to keep on top of looking for opportunities and so on. So, yes, I did not have a guess. I broke down the team, the game against the Broncos on my own. I will have Definitely put in all the muscle I can to try to get a guess when they play the Jets play the Cardinals. I thought breaking down some of the NFL was fun to do, just a little bit of change to avoid redundancy. So yes, thank you for listening. As always, on Spot or on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify has been weird. I'm trying to figure that out, but uh, yeah, I'll tweet this out. I'll give you the link. And again, thank you for listening. Jets will play, and uh, the Jets will play the Denver Broncos at 8:20 uh, kickoff on Thursday Night Football. All right, hope all hope all is well, and I hope everyone is safe. Thank you.